You are listening to the Julie Parker Practice Success Podcast, where you discover management insights and strategies for your successful dental practice. There are also interviews with key people in the industry who have advice and services to help you and your team achieve great success. Welcome to this episode of the Julie Parker Practice Success Podcast. And what I thought I'd do for today's episode is call back on an episode that I participated in with a co-host, Shannon Merlow, a really good buddy and a business coach. And we had a podcast together called Practicing the Art of Small Business. It was such fun doing that podcast and there's every chance that we're going to pick up on it again at a later date. But one of our episodes focused on performance reviews and performance reviews have been something that's been strong in my mind at the moment because we have just covered all of that as part of our Teams module with the Dental Practice Management Program that Amina Basile and I lecture on for the Dental Business Mastery Online course for dental practice managers and owners. So I do hope you enjoy this episode that focuses on performance reviews because Shannon's got some fantastic insights. It's a really fun conversation. We always have a fun conversation when we did our podcast and it will certainly provide you some guidance to feel a little bit more comfortable in creating the right environment for performance reviews when you do them in your dental practices. Enjoy. You are listening to the Practicing the Art of Small Business podcast with Shannon Merlot and Julie Parker. Join their conversation about business, leadership, and the self-awareness journey to greater success. Hello, Julie. Hello, Shannon. How are you? I'm really good. <laughs> Today, <laughs> the sun's starting to peek through the rain clouds. Well, we've got a beautiful still, but happy anyway. <laughs> happy anyway. We are having a typical Melbourne weather day today where it's um, five seasons in one day, which is fantastic. And I love the variety of it, which is five seasons, you say? Yes, absolutely. So we've got spring, autumn, summer, winter, and Shannon's season. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy day, I tell you. <laughs> Julie, I love how you're matchy-matchy. This is also a call-out while I talk about how Julie is matching um, me and I am matching her. For if you are listening to us, you can also watch us on uh, on the YouTubes uh, because Julie and I have colour-coordinated today just by chance. Yes, we're getting more and more aligned with each other. ESP is all going on. Where <laughs> we don't need to be in physical presence with each other to be able to assimilate with each other. <laughs> we're synced. We're synced. We're vibing on each other. <laughs> what are you vibing about today, Shannon? I'm glad you asked because I was about to say we are going to vibe on something we've been threatening to do for a couple of episodes. We have finally reached performance review, something that's strikes fear in the heart of leaders and employees. I don't think that anyone really relishes a performance review. So episode number 27, how yes, to do performance reviews. And I think it also for employers or managers that are the ones that need to get through all of the performance reviews, uh, if they're not as turned off from the potential difficulty of that discussion, sometimes they, you know, they may do them very well and they don't have that level of anxiety around it, 
it ends up just being a task to tick off the list just to finally get it done for the year. And so how can we bring back value to that performance review to make sure they're meaningful for both sides? Yeah, you're right. I think it's a real challenge because it takes up so much time for most organisations because of the way that they're doing it. And we're going to talk about ways that you can do it better in this podcast. I do feel that even if you're running a small team of, let's say, five, five team members, you've got a physical hour each of the time that you sit down, at least an hour, I would say, if you're doing it on an annual basis, then you've probably got an hour to prepare, you've got the agenda setting and then you've got all the worrying and the, oh, what do I say and how do I do this and what was their key performance indicators and, oh, by the way, I don't remember what they were in the first place and, ah. But so putting a good good plan in place and the build-up to it, that's right, because you don't want to rush through or skip pieces of the preparation because that's going to affect the result and, and again, how meaningful it's going to be for both sides. And so maybe flagging off in the diary a week beforehand, gather KPIs and <laughs> all the information I need to make sure I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's jump in. We're sort of talking about um, I think they're quite stressful. I think that back in my employed days, I mean, obviously now they're not very stressful at all. Shannon, as a, as a manager, doesn't um, <laughs> as a regular cadence of accountability to herself. But um, when I was an employee, I found them incredibly stressful. And now coaching business owners, they find them incredibly stressful. Why do you think that is, Julie? Because we love to be seen as competent and we hate to feel incompetent. So these It drives so much of our behaviours and our responses. For example, if you're in a working environment and you've answered a particular query over the telephone and a manager comes up and says, oh, I've got some feedback for you around how you manage that call, kind of the instant default place we go to is, oh, I mustn't be good enough. Oh, I did it wrong. Oh, I've made a mistake rather than, oh, great, an opportunity to get even better than what I already am. Mm, mm. And that goes back to our, our feedback podcast. What number was that, Julie? Do you have that written in front of you? You're very good at keeping Shannon, feedback. It was episode 20. How fun is feedback? Dot, 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 not. <laughs> <laughs> So a little bit of crossover to past past podcasts there. I think also the reason why I've found it per- personally confronting when I've been an employee is where there hasn't been a regular cadence of communication about my performance. So there's this expectation and certainly experienced it as well where my manager has stored up all of the bad stuff that I've done And this is their opportunity to just lay it out in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, haven't always worked for the best organisations. How motivating. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why why do you think now I'm really super passionate about doing performance evaluations that are productive um, and low-stress work environments? Makes me think of, you know, when one half of the couple say, let's go to marriage (laughs) counselling. And the other half is like, oh, my God, we just want an excuse to list off all of my faults. (laughs) And unfortunately, the therapist won't let me walk out, walk away. (laughs) It costs too much, so I've got to stay and get the value from it. (laughs) And I think 
it causes stress on the business owner because for the same reason, oh, I've got to have these difficult conversations and raise these these issues that I haven't been addressing throughout the year. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it causes stress. Do you think there are Yeah, and we touched um, on that episode 20, we did touch on that some of the anxiety for the deliverer of the performance review can be, I don't know how they're going to react. Like, what if they start to cry? What if they get cross with me? What if they disengage? What if they develop a bad attitude? And what if they, what What if because of my management of that performance review, I actually damage the performance of this person rather than improve it? Mm. And that and that is absolutely true. Um, performance reviews done well can be really motivating and forward focused and help the organisation. Done not well can be incredibly demotivating and can have a negative effect on performance, which I think is why people avoid it because it's like, well, <laughs> if I do it wrong, this is just going to demotivate people, so I might as well not do it at all. Yeah, well, talk about may as well not do it at all why do we do it then what's the purpose behind the performance review there in your mind well I think that the the purpose is to have a point of conversation about performance I think that if we're not in a regular cadence of giving feedback positive and not so positive to our team members the annual, quite often, annual performance review is that time that you can't get away with not having that conversation. It's sort of like, oh, I have to do this. This is all, it's almost like a tick box. So I think that it, and I think if we take a positive frame to it, it's an opportunity for reflection for your employee. Where do I want to go in my career? Where do I want to go in the, this organisation? How am I doing based on my organisation's expectations of me? How am I doing based on my expectations of myself in this role? And it is an opportunity that opens a door for employees to say to their manager, this is what's working and this is what's not working in a healthy performance appraisal. So I do think that there's good value to conducting them because it is that point where it's the same adage on the business, in the business, it's pulling out of the weeds of the day-to-day to have a reflective discussion as well as a forward-focused, how can we do things better discussion. So I think that that's why it's important. What are your thoughts on why you think it's important? Yeah, I agree. My top one was clarity of expectations because quite often we think we're doing the right job and making people around us happy, but they haven't clearly defined exactly what the goal was or they haven't identified where I'm slipping up. And so I think I'm doing a great job. So the clarity around the expectations because maybe the boss thinks quite differently. Uh, It's such an important thing to focus on the positives as well as the areas of adjustment. And it's that you know, we have to check in on ourselves that when we are looking at the performance of the people that we work with, whether we're managers or just a bunch of team members working together, that we are looking at the performance of the pe- people in front of us, giving equal time to both what they do great and how we can improve. And so really telling that person, rather than skipping over it, really telling that person carefully The way you are over the telephone with our clients is so polite and happy and delightful. I love it. I love walking past the room and hearing you speak to them on the phone. Keep doing what you're doing. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Rather than an alternative way could be, 
telephone manner. You're good on telephone manner. How you are when you turn up to work in a professional environment every day, and you kind of you skip past these mm-hmm. things because you think, well, they should be doing that. That is their job. No, no, no. Let's really reward the behaviour we want repeated, and certainly make it so obvious and clear to that person. I love those elements of your performance. Keep doing them, and then of course. You know, discussing the areas where you can see that improvement could be made or why you try saying things this way or bringing this attitude in or having this mindset around it or trying this different system and providing uh, suggestions for improvement but to really go if for example if this person wasn't great on the over the telephone with clients that you say an area that I reckon you might be able to improve in is how quickly you can build rapport over the phone with our clients. You know who does it beautifully well? Shannon. Shannon is awesome at this. She's one, if you look at Shannon and see how she builds rapport with clients over the phone, I reckon that will help get you right on track. Or, of course, you know, we provide courses and training and support and role-playing, anything that's required to help that person address the feedback issue that you've got. Mm-hmm. And certainly with performance reviews too, we don't know of the barriers to success for some people. Some people might say, I'm terribly shy. I I feel very uncomfortable on the phone all the time. That's my barrier. Or I really want to do fantastically, but I've, I've got no tools to be able to help me. I need resources to tap into to be able to help me. And so the identification of the barriers is important because maybe this person also feels this is an area that I need to improve in. But, but that's where they've been stuck because mm. they've got barriers. So it's not the fact that they're unaware of the issue, it's that they are very aware of the barriers that are in place. And an example of what I'm talking about with that, uh, recently I was in discussions with several team members within this dental practice and the owner had a concern over the uh, how well this particular dentist engaged patients in the explanations around treatments and what have you. I said, great, let's get, let's bring that staff member in. And my the first, you know, one of the first questions I said, are, are there any areas of improvement that you would like? And he said, yes, I'd love to be able to speak to the patients better. I feel like they go out confused. Mm-hmm. So he knew full well what the issue was, but Let's talk about what the barriers to that are and then we can overcome that. And, of course, the performance review needs to be a supportive process and a way of administering that support. It's yet another opportunity to offer support to team members. And so even though they can be an uncomfortable thing, when you start to master the various different elements of it, I think elements of it, I think that performance reviews are a tremendously powerful thing. Mm. Julie, that was, there was so much gold in there. Mm. <laughs> I've written so many notes that I want to unpack. So let me see if I can just add little segments in on what you've just said. And, and hopefully I trust that they're going to add value to our, our audience. I'll let Julie, you know if they don't. That'll yeah, be part you, of uh, the feedback I give you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may, not just get, you may not give me feedback. It just won't turn up in the edit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he said something more about that. No, no, you didn't. That's right. No, 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 it didn't come through on the recording. Cut out. <laughs> what did I say? On the cutting room floor. <laughs> so you talked about being able to give positive examples as well as the not the not so positive examples. 
One of the things that's really important, and I'm going to, uh, we'll come back around to the cadence of how often to give performance reviews and what that might look like. But what happens often, especially if we're only doing reviews annually or even biannually, is the recency bias. So if your employee has been really good recently in the last week, let's say, but for the months prior, they were an absolute pain in the butt, you will forget that and you will be more likely to focus on the positives. Conversely, if they've been an amazing employee for the past few months, they've really gone above and beyond for the most part, but the last week they've been a bit off colour or you've been a bit off colour, that negative bias will absolutely come into your performance review. And it's highly, in my opinion, strong opinion, highly unfair because it's your bias that's affecting their performance and not their performance necessarily. What some examples of, of how you can avoid the bias is to make sure that you're writing notes when someone's doing something well on a consistent basis, consistently writing notes around, oh, they did that thing that was really good and just write a note using Evernote or even a post-it note, anything that relates to a note of a voice note. <laughs> but doing doing both and, and having a regular reflection of how is this employee doing? So when you're doing this review, you've got a fair and even assessment across the whole period between one to the other of positives and negatives. I like it. I like it. And yes, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it, that recency bias. I've I've made a note of that. That's very clever. I I love a bias reference. (laughs) You've already added value. That's not on the cutting room floor. Oh, tick. I have another one. We'll see. So you talked about the give positive examples, and I really liked how you did that in terms look at me giving you positive reinforcement of your positive reinforcement. <laughs> this is an in-situ example of how to give positive reinforcement. <laughs> look how happy it makes me. I know. <laughs> but but what I for the record. Being able to give very specific examples of, Julie, I just loved how you were able to give that example and really drill down into why they did such a great job. That's exactly how you give positive and not so positive uh, examples of, of what's good and what's not good. Unfortunately, a lot of people have been taught the sandwich method. So I'm going to cram the good and then I'm going to jam a bit of not good in the middle and please use your own reference for what you call the not good if you're familiar with the sandwich method you know the word I'm thinking I'm just keeping this podcast clean this episode clean so you put the put the not so good in the middle the not so good in the middle (laughs) and then let's wrap it up really quickly with another positive so they don't feel the pain the analogy around this is you're still eating the poop. In a poop sandwich, you are still being forced to eat the poop. So don't try and mask the poop. Give it to them on a plate, (laughs) but keep it separate. So you've got your poop, your poop meal, and you've got your dessert meal. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Um, My thought around that is... 
if we're going into the space, if we are interacting as a team in a fashion where opportunities for growth are shit, <laughs> then I don't believe the approach, I think the, the approach could be improved. We have all experienced the, the unhelpful performance review where it's been, oh, you know, you turn up professionally, you turn up on time all the time, your performance is appalling, but you always tend to leave on time as well and I like what you bring for lunch, you know. <laughs> and you just, and quite often too, you either have this unsupported blur given to you or you have 10 things given to you to try to improve upon for the coming year. Both things I think, are, both ways I think are flawed. If you can develop as part of your team culture a growth of the value of growth, here we love growing and developing our skills. We love getting better. And you know how much I love Tony Robbins, can I? Constant and never-ending improvement. If we truly have that as part of our team culture, then there is no shit sandwich. There is opportunity for growth and development, and that's exciting. And I think that's the approach that can some teams will find very, very helpful. Mm, mm, really good point. I think that that whole point around culture is if you've got an environment that's being created on some level by some way that isn't conducive to this improvement mindset or this innovation mindset, then this really goes back to foundational stuff around values and culture and shifting the entire bedrock or foundation of the organisation. Julie, while we're referring to our past episodes, have we done some culture episodes? We had it. At number 14, I think, am I correct? No, it's not the number 14. Which one was it? Number 18 was called Team Culture. Fantastic. So this uh, this episode is really a, a, a table of contents, I think, <laughs> for our previous episodes. <laughs> it's good. Mm. And yet again, yet again, Shannon, you love values. Yet again, the values rise up in this conversation as to be an important element of your business. If you haven't already got your values stated, then this is one of the good reasons why the value of growth is tremendous for your organisation because it's putting out there the opportunity for each individual to get better and better and better, which means your business will get better, better and better. Julie, you've moved the agenda on to values discussion. I'm going to go back to what you said at a point, because there's more stuff from what you said the last time that was gold that I want to interject additional things. But while we're on value, so good, you're so good. While you're talking about values, though, the performance review time is actually another opportunity to say, here's how you are living the values and here's how you can improve. But more so, and actually this does segue into what I was going to say, the performance review a healthy performance review allows your team member to actually explore their own performance based on their perceptions and their own needs based on their perceptions. So being able to take a coaching approach to performance can be really useful. And this goes back to your, your point around those barriers and the, and the stuck. Instead of saying, I can see that you can improve in this area. Being able to ask your team member, 
where can you improve in you know the uh, your your customer service or your telephone manner uh, sorry where, what are areas that you can that you think you can improve on and they can say well I'd really love to improve on my telephone manner but I feel really stuck great you're already ticking off the things that you want to discuss with your employee so being able to see that they've got awareness around that can actually just completely reduce that that defensiveness because they're already aware of it and if you create a psychological safety thing which we're going to talk about thing thing create a psychological safety thing which we'll talk about in an agenda (laughs) then then you create an environment where people feel safe to share their vulnerability so talking about your organizational values as well being able to say julie how are you how do you think you're currently living the value of constant improvement and julie says well (laughs) she knows she's in the hot seat so she's going to have to give examples (laughs) (laughs) and being able to say well on that value how do you want to future focus so another thing with performance reviews is really focusing not so much on past behavior but what does future success look like and allowing your employee to engage in that conversation around well in the future I'm going to live that constant improvement by asking you on a daily basis an hourly basis (laughs) have I improved (laughs) (laughs) yeah be careful what you wish for huh (laughs) and I think what you uh indicated is is very good we sometimes uh you know a traditional approach to performance review for the manager doing it conducting it could be I'm going in with all of this data and information and I want this certain result coming out but go in with all of your prep as being just a percentage of what that whole experience is going to end up revealing. So rather than going in there to tell or instruct or provide the feedback, also go in there with a strong sense to learn and to discover what's going on for that other person because if they're blissfully happy and performing beautifully well, you want to learn and discover what's going well for them, what's going great in their environment so you can replicate that for everybody else and if they need a if they're struggling in certain areas, you want to learn and discover what's going on for them. So don't think you're going into this performance review review with all the information and the answers because you don't. You've only got half the message. Mm, it's about creating that environment for the other person to be willing and feel safe to be open, frank, and honest about what's going on for them. Mm, absolutely, and I think part of that preparation. I want to talk about how we can prepare our team members and ourselves for better performance reviews. And I think one of the things that, well, I certainly encourage my clients to do is to have their teams do a self-evaluation weeks, at least a week prior to the performance review. So it actually gives the employee time to look at what their goals were from the previous performance review what their key performance indicators are or what success looked like from what has been set and to be able to give an honest assessment of how they are performing to that those measures. And one thing while I'm talking about this that I want to address, and I want to maybe kick it around for a little bit, Julie, is I've seen it, I've seen it as an employee not just for myself, but for others, and certainly coaching others, 
where a team member will say, I deserve accolades or pay rise or what have you because I've done my job. (laughs) I've met the expectations of my job. And it's a really challenging discussion, I think, for most people. It's like, yes, you've fulfilled the requirements of the job. You get to keep your job as a result of that. But you haven't exceeded the expectations. Do you think that this comes up quite a lot? And how do we have those conversations where in the performance review, your team member's gone, oh, yeah, I did that. And they might tick that they exceeded the expectations. It's like, no, 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 you you achieved that goal. You didn't do any better than that goal. (laughs) So Yeah. And that's where it's important that we do say this is what, mastery looks like to me as the as the boss for example Mm. so if a team member came and said but I'm delightful on the phones (laughs) and I've made all the appointment times and I've taken all the payments and and everyone's been relatively happy with me that's right so um I I do agree that loyalty by itself does attract a pay rise every year that's just my personal belief not everyone believes that but that's just my personal thought that there is there are a lot of benefits in keeping the same team. You've got all that collective knowledge staying in-house and you don't need to recruit and train and all the other costs that go into all of that. Uh, But when we're talking about this is the standard and if we're going to create an environment where you get performance bonuses, we need to make that quite clear and fair so if other team members want to improve their performance, therefore increase their wages, they're all using the same fair framework that you've all agreed upon as a team. Mm. Because I think it can come down to that, you know, that recency bias. Or you really helped us during the COVID period and you helped us more than the others did. And so you deserve to have a permanent pay rise for that, where others may have then had magnificent performances in the months prior to COVID and because they had little kids at home, they were just unable to go that extra mile during that, that little period of time. But if, if, and I do suggest that as a team, you write down all of the key characteristics and elements of, of the roles within the organisation, such as you know, professionalism and honesty and the physical appearance, how you turn up to work, you're always in uniform, it's pressed, it's, you know, your hair's looking nice and <laughs> that you are reliable and dependable and if a task is delegated to you, you get it done. All of the things that are important, this is an organic list. You are not going to pick up on everything straight away, so make it an organic list. But make it a list that everyone's contributed to because in that process what you're also doing is concentrating on each point saying where's the standard first of all which is a really important element what's the standard the minimum standard before you start getting a performance review feedback session (laughs) and then what does it look like when you are hitting mastery with that and therefore you get a pay rise for that and I've created a a, a excel spreadsheet for dental practices where each of these elements has a point and if you just have one point for everything that means you're hitting target that it, meeting expectation that doesn't accrue a that doesn't achieve a wage increase the loyalty box achieves an increase but 
not if you are just meeting standard. What you've all agreed to is standard. However, when you start hitting mastery in places, that's when the pay increases start. Mm. More gold, but also, Julie, because we're doing a table of contents of past episodes that reflect on this, what's the episode that we talked about about how to give bonuses or pay rises or money? What episode number was that? That was number eight, Shannon, called How to Pay Staff. Great. Look at us setting the, setting the foundation for this podcast without even realising it. Oh, if someone's just joined us, they're gonna have, they've got a, quite a bit of work on their hands to go back and, and listen to all the magnificent insights that we've had rolling out every single episode. Crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. With regard to setting expectations, the quote from Brene Brown that I absolutely love, clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Oh, I love that. A hundred percent. The worst thing that we can do for our team members and our business is to not set a clear understanding of what success looks like. So when I say, hey, Julie, I just want you to be better. That is really unkind. (laughs) It feels unkind. (laughs) And if and on that kind of looking at what, what the expectation of meeting the expectation is and mastery of the expectation, saying, Julie, you're good. You're all good. You meet that expectation. But I want you to be better. Again, it's really unkind because and people are probably going, yeah, that's quite unclear. Quite often when people give performance reviews, they literally say, You've met that expectation, but I want you to do better. How? What does better look like? What is the metric of success? How can I work towards achieving a better standard for you, boss, if you don't make it clear for me on what better is, on how to get there? It's unkind and it's unfair. And if you're operating that kind of a business, this podcast probably isn't for you. Because because driving a business where you care about your team and you want them to actually be on your organisational bus means being clear around what success looks like. And while we're talking about expectations and clarity of success, I want to touch on something that I'm pretty passionate about as well as values is individual key performance indicators, I think, should always be linked to an organisational into organizational goals so that each person can understand how they are a link in the chain of organizational success. So again, if you're not clear what your organizational success measures are, how are you being kind to your teammates and getting them on your bus? Because if you don't know what success is in your business, how the heck are you going to ask your employees to help you get there? It's like getting everyone on the bus while I'm on this bus. I'm on a rant. I'm on a rant now, Julie. It's like saying, guys, 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 I've got the bus. Quick, get on the bus. And they go, where are you going? And like, not quite sure, but let's just start driving and see where we get to. And when someone says, I really need to go to the toilet, and you go, yeah, yeah, sure, next time we get to the petrol station. And it's like, well, when's that going to be? Well, we don't know because we're not really using a GPS, but I'm sure we'll get to one soon. So then you've got an employee there going, 
when, how, what, when, when are we going to stop? I need to stretch my legs. I need to go to the bathroom. So all of this is obviously, obviously an analogy. If you're running a business from a bus, good for you. (laughs) But being able to look at ourselves and say, are we making the organisational success easy for our team members? Are we tying their performance to the bigger picture? So we're all on the bus. We're all working towards a greater level of success. Helps people to buy into your organisation and helps them buy into being on your bus. And you said a great word there, make it easy. Mm. Use the opportunity of the performance review to make it easy for that team member to be able to succeed. Mm, yes, absolutely. And Don't make it a maze. <laughs> Don't hide that thing. <laughs> Going back to your point around pay rises, Julie, I've, um, I encourage people not to have the pay rise discussion at the same time as the performance review discussion. And the reason why this is is because If your employee is going into the performance review knowing that at the end there's going to be a discussion around money, they're not using it as an opportunity to gather feedback and support or using it as a collaborative discussion about performance and improvement. They're just waiting and everything that you say is an indicator of whether they're getting a pay rise or not. It's true. They're doing a tally. Yep, that's pay rise. Uh, no, that's not. It's like the worm, isn't it? It's like the worm that appears on the television. Oh, I'm getting one. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm getting one. No, I'm not. <laughs> exactly. They're more concerned with the worm than the content. Exactly, exactly. And we, in that episode, that podcast episode about giving bonuses, we sort of talked about doing organisational-based bonuses. So you don't necessarily get a bonus for your individual contribution but if our business hits our organizational goals and you've hit expectations or exceeded expectations that's where bonuses might come in or pay rises might come in nice nice yeah yeah Yeah. but separate conversations yeah what are your thoughts as a part of the preparation of the performance review of getting peer review forms filled out so you get the input of other team members of each of the team members' performance in their eyes? I think it's an interesting concept. I think it depends on the maturity of the performance review process for an organisation. So what I mean by that is if someone listening is going, oh, my God, this is gold, I've not done any of my performance reviews like this before, I haven't done any preparation, I'm unclear about success, um, I've not done any coaching with it, I'm definitely doing biases. I, I think if you're at that stage of your performance review process, don't complicate it with trying to do a 360 degree or, or trying to get more feedback into the process would be my advice. You know, don't run before you can crawl. My advice would probably be getting in a regular cadence of feedback and regular cadence of performance reviews. And once you've actually matured in the way that you do your performance reviews, that's when I would start to add other elements to it. With a caveat that I think we're talking about constant and never-ending improvement and 
if you're not having conversations with your team members about culture, what's driving good performance in your organisation, and if you're not having conversations when someone's not aligned with those expectations, if you're not having those early, then getting someone else's feedback to be able to facilitate that is a moot point. There was a lot of hyperbole in what I just said, I think. <laughs> in specific, in specificity, in specificity, in specificity. <laughs> I can specificity. <laughs> so <clears throat> my thought is I think it's a great way of supporting the organisation, but I do think it adds a level of complexity depending on where you're at. But I'm happy to be wrong, very happy to be told, no, 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 you can actually do it if you're going to change the way you do it. I mean, what's your experience on it, Julie? Well, well done with your growth mindset. You're happy to be wrong. I'm very happy to be wrong at all times. I quite often am. <laughs> <laughs> my thought, I came across a practice that do the peer reviews and my thought was, my, I first leap, leapt into the thought of, Oh, that's opening up a can of worms possibly. But then the more I thought about it and and what you've said, you've touched on this a little bit with what you've spoken about too. As you roll out performance reviews, if you're not doing them at the moment, for example, start, recognise they're not going to be perfect at the start and always practice, modify, practice, modify, practice, modify. And that's what gets us to progress through to get it done very, very well. And when you are asking the peers for their assessment of their team members' performance, that itself, give it the chance to mature and become better as well. And so as we're doing the performance reviews, they're watching our behaviour, how we conduct them. So when they're asked for the peer review process to kick in, they're going to be more fair, more reasonable, be constructive in their feedback rather than use it as an opportunity to nitpick or or make themselves seem better because I've made this person seem terrible. You and just like to confirm when you were talking about that, were you were talk were you talking about peer review not not necessarily when I give you feedback, you give me feedback you or know, is it whole organisational? Um, that, that if we had that team of five people, did we say five people before? Let's just, for example. <laughs> if we had that team of people working together, that when I'm about to that when I'm about to start with the performance review process, all team members get a short little questionnaire that asks your input and feedback about how you feel your fellow team members are performing. Mm. It's a great way of identifying if you've got a bit of micromanagement going on or an unhelpful trend going on. It is a good way of getting a bit of feedback. But I think if you want to become very good at the performance review process, use the opinions of the peers as another opportunity to get into that right mindset about discovering what other people feel mm. and so having a one-on-one meeting just short you know only needs to be 15 minutes with each of your team members and that's just a little discovery session how's everything going what's going on here that's really helping you with your performance mm. what's going on here that's really not helping you with your performance mm-hmm. and do it as a bit of a training ground so you yourself start coming into these discussions with more of an open mind, uh, inquiring mind around what's going on. 
but you are also establishing the groundwork of developing up that psychological safety with each of your team members. And so as time goes on and as you're having these discussions as time goes on, they're getting feeling more and more safe to be able to be frank with you and open and honest without and they have that faith and trust that you're not going to make them pay any kind of emotional cost if to be able to speak out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really great segue into an agenda for performance reviews. Mm. So I wanted to give people an opportunity or I wanted us to share some agenda items. And when we share this agenda item in creating psychological safety, it's really important to share the agenda with the team members that you're actually running the meeting with so they so they know what's coming up so that they can be prepared. The worst possible thing that you can do is drag someone into a performance meeting that they're not aware of what's going to happen because it creates a lot of uncertainty for your team members, which and is not helpful team member that is feeling that level of uncertainty and anxiety from them, you are more likely to get a negative response to anything you've got to say. So you want to be able to create that lovely environment for that person where you don't don't stress, don't worry, it's all groovy. This is what we're going to be discussing. And you, I, want, I really want your feedback as well about me and how I'm managing you as well. So it's going to be a two-way thing here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think giving that pre-review evaluation that evaluation prior to the uh, the actual meeting can be quite helpful because it gets people thinking about where they are where they're not share that with you the manager prior to the meeting so that there's a shared level of understanding of how I see myself and then we can have a discussion around that so there's sort of no less surprises with the agenda, there are a couple of two, two ways that I've read or heard of starting off the agenda to create psychological safety. And when we're talking about psychological safety, this is a bit of a buzzword these days in a lot of HR circles, but it's so important because our workplaces are a environment where we're more and more aware of the damage and opportunity that a workplace and a manager can have or can uh, the damage that a workplace and a manager can have to an employee in terms of psychological disturbance but also conversely if you provide an environment that is challenging but nurturing and that is focused on development and care and kindness then you've got this amazing opportunity to create an environment that fosters goodness within others. So creating psychological safety so that you're not potentially creating more harm for someone, then surely that's going to be a good thing. Absolutely. And I just keep coming back to the minute we start talking about feedback and growth, I do keep coming back to something that's been in both of our histories, Shannon, and that's Toastmasters. Hmm. And whatever insights we can get from that kind of group and implement into our teams is only a positive. And for people who haven't heard of Toastmasters before, it is a large organisation, worldwide organisation. There's thousands of these clubs around and they are all about getting you comfortable with public speaking. It's not a professional speaking group, it's a public speaking group. So you can develop your skills and confidence in being able to present to a group of people. And the meetings 
roll out that where everything's evaluated. And as a participant, for example, you deliver a five to seven minute speech. You, one of the other members is allocated the role of evaluating you. They get up and they say, this is what you did great. This is what I think you could do to improve upon, but, you know, continue on growing and developing. Woohoo to you. And when you've been a member for a period of time, you really start to desire those important gems of feedback because you want to get better. Mm -hmm. I want to stop. I didn't realise I was doing it so often. I want to start to speak more slowly. I didn't realise it was difficult to understand me. And because everyone's in the same boat, I think that's one of the reasons why it works so well and you can absolutely replicate that into your team. We're all growing. None of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. We're all in that constant and never-ending improvement journey. We're all doing that. And so we all get feedback. And because Mm -hmm. of that, we all deliver feedback and, and we all get better all the time. Uh, when you're an experience, you know, you've been around you know, for a few months within a Toastmasters group, at the start, of course, when you deliver a speech, you don't want to hear any feedback. <laughs> but then quite quickly you get to the headspace that if you've got a newbie standing up and giving you an evaluation and they don't feel confident enough to give you the feedback and they say, no, you all did beautifully, I can't imagine how you could get it, get it done better, they sit down, you feel disappointed. You go, yeah. oh, what am I supposed to work on now? And I do whatever I can to really identify why that works so well within Toastmasters and how can I possibly replicate that in the dental teams that I work with? Because would you agree, Shannon, it's extraordinary, the desire for feedback and improvement, what that does for our personal performance. Yeah, and when I was a president of my Toastmasters club, yes, I was, I used Yeah, yeah, thank you. I used to talk about evaluations as a gift, that it was a gift that you gave someone when you said, here's how it would improve for me. So one of the things, and then there's a slight variation between Toastmasters evaluations and workplace evaluations, because with Toastmasters, it was very much You can't get the evaluation wrong because it's your opinion of how you experienced the the speech or the meeting or what have you. And your opinion can't be wrong because that's just how you see the world. And so with the reference of that it was a gift, it was that you are you are holding back a gift from someone on being able to improve the way you're connecting with this person. So if they didn't connect with you, you've you've withheld from them how they can actually better communicate with you, how they can better connect with you. And so you've missed this opportunity to actually be connected as a human. And maybe there's a segue to there around the workplace stuff. If you aren't giving, if you aren't creating safety, going back to that psychological safety on the agenda, if you're not creating safety and you're not providing an environment where someone's really comfortable to receive the feedback, then you're missing the point around an opportunity for connection and for improvement and for growth and for opportunity for individuals, yourself as the leader, your team member and your organisation at large. Mm. Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of came to me as you were speaking then was, you know, one of the things that make it easy, one of the things that allows the space for people to be so eager for that feedback 
is that you've got people who are joining up that want to get better. Mm. Yep. It's not like you're trying to tell, you know, conf- convince someone to get better when they think they're doing beautifully already. The reason they join is because they want to improve in that area. Mm. And, you know, we're talking about values before and how growth is a wonderful value to have as an organisation. If that value of growth drove your recruitment, that you started making sure that you were adding people to your team who just want to get better, then they're going to be much more open to any kind of feedback. A little segue on that, because I want to go back to the agenda, but I was chatting with a client yesterday who was struggling with a decision about who to hire, this this person, a, a person that they'd interviewed. And I said, how would you know, tick box, how would you know that they weren't a fit if you hired them. And one of them was they need to have a growth mindset, a big value for their organisation. So certainly in the conversation, they're sort of like, well, I think so. But now if that's a tick box, now I'm evaluating your performance as a new employee and I'm going to be pretty harsh because if you're going to be a rotting tomato in my culture, I want to know sooner than later and I'm going to move you on sooner than later. A lovely phrase to use in your performance review. I want to see if you're a rotten tomato in my organisation. <laughs> I know you would never have said that. I think I actually did use the reference to a rotting tomato with the client. So, you know, that's okay. Uh, Where well, wrong. Can't go wrong. Um, I'm happy to receive the feedback that that didn't land with them, but that's okay. <laughs> so with that, I... I encourage them to to say, how will you know? You've got to test this. You've got to really test that growth mindset for them. And they have a pretty solid process around how they do things. But to so much more important with a new employee to align very early, does this person have a great growth mindset? If they don't, what do we do about it? So I think that I think that setting those expectations around what are your organizational values? Is this person living? I'm kind of repeating what I said before. Why don't I? I've lost my train. (laughs) (laughs) Can I go back to the agenda? Psychological safety. So there was two ways that I um, read or saw to create psychological safety. One presumes that you've created a lot of psychological safety within your organisation. So this one I wouldn't necessarily recommend if you don't have a culture of support and nurturance, nurturing. So the first one is how do I feel coming into this performance evaluation? Because what that does is that actually sets a opportunity to be open and to be vulnerable. And it's not just as an employee, tell me how you feel. As your manager, this is how I feel. So you can actually get a sense of if the employee is saying, look, I'm really nervous. I'm I'm actually kind of a little bit worried. I gave myself some really, I thought, really honest reviews and I'm a bit worried about how we're going to talk about them. Then you, as a caring manager, can calibrate your feedback. Now, you don't want to throw sugar on the poop sandwich because it's still going to be poop, but you can actually navigate the conversation in a way that just supports the outcome that you're looking for. And the other agenda item that I like following on from that is what are the outcomes that we both want from at the end of this meeting? So you can set an intention for the meeting that at the end of this meeting, Julie, I want you to feel really motivated. 
I want you to feel like a really valued member of this team. I want you to feel excited about the future. And I want you to know that there's a great career here for you. And all of that creates a bucket of, of, of um, safety for someone going, oh, good, I'm not going to get fired in this meeting. Oh, that's helpful. Or at the end of this meeting, I want us to have a really great understanding of how you can improve your performance and we'll have a great level of accountability and a cadence of catch-up that you're really comfortable with so that we can manage your performance ongoing. Great. So, but doing it both ways. So, Julie, what do you want out of this meeting? What's the outcome that you want to have at this meeting, at the end of this meeting? Oh, I don't really want to be crying or I want it to be really positive Mm. I want to feel good. Mm. Great. I want to bring my therapist to it. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just dial them in? (laughs) Can I bring my (laughs) mum? Can I bring a friend? (laughs) Can I find a friend, yeah. (laughs) So I I really liked those on the agenda items. Mm. Do you have an Mm. agenda that you follow? Depending on the roles we're talking about, one of the things that's helpful for me in my world, working with dental practices, when we've got dental assistants and dental receptionists as the one, many of the time being the ones that are um, part of the performance review, is bring back out their list of responsibilities. Because sometimes just in the flow of time, we can start dropping some minor responsibilities and and all of a sudden little things aren't being done. So just, and it's a lovely thing to be reminded about, you know, these are all the list of responsibilities. And then just say, I think you do that awesome. No mm-hmm. points for improvement there. You, you're ticking off that fantastically. And then you go through the list of responsibilities. They can mention, oh, I have trouble doing that one because I feel like we're running late all the time. I never get a chance to do that responsibility. So, again, it can be a lovely way of identifying barriers to great success. Mm-hmm. And that um, if you have got a list of characteristics and professional qualities that you find important as an organisation, have that as a consistent list that you bring with you every time, that list as well can go out to the team members maybe a week prior to the performance review so they can get their head around the information. You've got all the time in the world to prepare. Give them all the time in the world to prepare as well. That's fair. And so they can actually have a think to themselves, gosh, am I turning up to work on time? I am running a little bit late. I'm tending to blame it on the bad traffic, but it's I think it's become a bit of a habit now. So at least, again, they can come into the meeting and say, you know what, I think I've been running late a bit too often. And it doesn't actually even have to come out of your mouth. Mm. But I do want to make sure that there is a strong emphasis on what they're doing great. It's not all about just telling them where to where to improve performance in. And an empowering, if you have got that strong can I culture, constant never-ending improvement culture, it could be, you know, I feel like I'm great as rapport building with clients. You know what? I agree with you. I think you are fantastic. Let's get a training. At the next training session our team does, I want you to stand up and share how you do that with everyone so we can all start to learn together. And then that team member is not just the teacher, but they're also the one who is learning when other team members who are masters in what they do, and it's an area that you've been told in the during the feedback portion of the performance review that they want an improvement in, they're being trained by this other team member who's great at it. And so you can truly get that clarity that this is what success looks like. Oh, now I know what to aspire to. Mm-hmm. And everyone's learning, everyone's growing, and everyone's a teacher. I absolutely love that. I love that opportunity of being able to pick out the real gold that your team member has and being able to share that gold around the team because it's also a great way of highlighting 
each person's individual strengths and making that a strength across your organisation. So I do love that. I also love the sharing of the roles and responsibilities. And my recommendation would be as part of the pre-evaluation that you give to your team. So there'd be an email that goes out, we're having performance reviews. I'm going to end with the cadence of performance reviews at some stage. Very important. But we're doing our performance reviews. I'd like you to look over your PD. Here it is. That's your position description and your roles and responsibilities. And I'd like you to, as part of your self-reflection, how do you feel that you're performing in there? And are there additional duties that you've taken on? So should we be adjusting your position description to acknowledge any additional work that you've been picking up? So I think that that's really, really useful. And that can form part of the discussion because another part of the agenda that I think is really important is that future focus. What career development does your role and you in this organization so it's not just within your role certainly if you've got a a small team and a small organization it can be difficult to give people a ladder to future opportunities in the business if it's always going to be small but you can still develop your team member they within the organization you can still develop the career of your team members and another little segue out there's sometimes an argument of why would I invest in my team members' career progression if they're not going to stay in my organisation? Is that not a waste? Well, the converse of that is what you want them to stay exactly as they are. You don't want them to improve at all. You don't want them to add any additional value to your organisation. And for those who are not watching us on the YouTube, my face is pretty much saying it all. Incredulous. Incredulous. It's like it's literally like that's the organization you want. You want people to just stay flat? Really? Okay. Sure. Sure. But if you invest in a team member, and as a result of investing in that team member, they add a huge amount of value to your organization and then they leave. They've still added a huge amount of value to your organization. Is it better that they do that? and then go to greener pastures or or more opportunities for them, but your organisation is better off as a result than if they were just... Again, that's a descriptive word of kind of staying stable (laughs) on the plane. (laughs) So definitely talking about career development, career progression, role development, I think is really important part of the agenda. And I'll add one more agenda item and then let you sort of see whether, whether you see it is, and this is something you mentioned, ongoing support. So what does support from me, your manager, look like? And what does support from the organisation look like? How can, and, and this is where that coaching discussion can come in. Based on what we've talked about, your what you're doing really well, what, you know, what areas for improvement, what does support look like? From your perspective, how can I help you help yourself? And being able to allow your team member to offer up what they need so that you can actually see whether you can deliver on that need, I think is really a valuable way of supporting your team. Mm, I agree with you. I think the inclination uh, to load up that singular performance review with every gripe you have or every concern that you have, the temptation is strong and there. And I think the answer to that 
because not many people would be able to be delivered 10 points of improvement and be able to work with that. That's mm. too much. Recognise that their employment with you is hopefully a long journey. and We've got plenty of time to improve. We don't need to teach somebody to walk, run, swim and drive a car all in the first month. It is a process. And everything that they learn, they take on the next project when they're good and ready to take on the next project. If we overwhelm people, they feel completely incompetent. And you don't want someone to feel that way. So I've got a, you know, if you can really finesse the process or check in on a quarterly basis. So you don't need to use that annual event to to have this stream of things that you want to mention and only give somebody one at the maximum two, but really try to focus on one thing to improve at a time and make it a nice process that happens every quarter instead, depending on the size of your team. If you can do that and manage that, I think you'd probably get better results. Thank you for driving our discussion towards the cadence because I think that that's a really important point. I, I do try and push that agenda quite heavily with clients of mine where they do, are doing annual performance reviews. And I think the resistance to moving to a more regular cadence, quarterly or even monthly, is because the annual performance reviews are so time consuming and so emotionally tedious that people don't want to do them more regularly because it's too much effort. The converse is true because the more you do them, the less effort it's going to take. If you were doing a a month once, (laughs) a monthly performance review, it would be a 15-minute catch-up. And maybe on the quarterly ones, you're just doing a quick, even once a quarter, there's a focus. So quarter one, our focus is on roles and responsibilities and organisational goals and your goals. Month two is career development or quarter two, career development discussion, quarter three, organisational performance areas. So you can actually do it where these this is a constant feedback loop, which isn't so time or energy draining. And so I really encourage people to think about how you can do it with a greater cadence so it doesn't actually affect the business as much as the annual performance reviews. And if you've got a regular cadence of feedback and performance reviews, then it's that Toastmasters thing that, Julia, you mentioned before. It's just expected. And there's no surprises. So no one goes into a performance review afraid that they're going to walk out without a job, which a lot of people do. And that is not fair on your team members if they're going to your performance reviews afraid that they're going to be fired. It's not fair. For sure. And with, when they're more regular, that's the practice modified practice in fast forward. You're, you're refining your processes so quickly, but also you're creating that psychological safe environment for people so quickly as well. You're fast tracking it all. So the regular is fantastic. And I love your thought around doing a focus, um, bringing it you know, back into my world. Okay, this quarter, it's all around patient communication and how we interact with the patient. And that means that I'm not so much picking out parts of your performance that I'm unhappy with. We're all, as a group, looking for ways to be better in the way we communicate with patients. And so that's what our focus is on when we're catching up for our performance reviews. I think that really takes a lot of the sting out of things as well and makes it a very acceptable 
this feedback session rather than uh, and that and, and you know identifying what we're doing really tremendously as well you know mm. and what we can do to improve upon I love that focus thank mm. you there's one last thing that I want to talk about this has been probably our longest episode I feel Julie but there's so much gold in this gone on for three hours so far but continue on <laughs> <laughs> that's once you've edited in the other podcast episodes <laughs> I think the setup of the meeting is crucially important. We started by me sharing that I've had some fairly negative performance reviews. Things that created negative performance reviews for me was I go in in the day expecting to have a performance review. I'm sorry, Shannon, I'm so busy. We need to push that meeting out. The unconscious message that you're sending is I'm not important. I'm not as important as whatever priority got put in on top of me. Running late for the meeting, again, I'm just not important. You don't care enough about me and therefore why should I care about your business if you don't care about me? Taking a phone call a number of times, I sat in a performance meeting, oh, sorry, I've just got to reply to this text message. Oh, I've just got to reply to this phone call. Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? Like, Do you even care about what this process means for your business? God, I'm ranty today, aren't I? So so I think having respect for the person and having respect for the process is really, really important. Mm. I tell you, uh, it hadn't occurred to me that um, the performance review would be told it's going to be Tuesday, but then you end up being told it's not going to be that day after all. Just think of if it is an anxiety-ridden thing for the employee, they're going to have gone through hours, possibly a few days of anxiety, and then it gets put off. They're going to be even less open to what you've got to say the second time around. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And much as I'm like, you know, don't don't move it, if you're doing it as a regular cadence, it's actually not going to matter. But if you're putting the pressure on in this annual performance review, this is the big meeting where you get to, I get to give you feedback and you get to discuss your goals and then I move it. Mm. So, Julie, mm. is there anything else that we need to say before we do a wrap-up? And I feel like I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to do a great wrap-up this session because there's been so much in this. Uh, I'm happy. All my bits have been ticked off off my page that I noted down. All right. Well, let's see if we can't. I'd encourage people to read the show notes because I'll make sure that all the key points are referenced. Mm. I think that we started off talking about the stress that is created in these performance reviews and ways that you can reduce stress is to set expectations around what's going to happen, create psychological safety, create an environment where feedback is just part of the process and reducing or improving the cadence, which might be more regular review sessions, will actually reduce stress for the performance reviews. Set clear expectations. So we talked about organisational goals, role clarity goals. We talked about what performance success looks like and being able to be really clear with your team around what success looks like, success being meeting the expectations and then exceeding the expectations is really important, especially important for your business. We talked about not giving the poop sandwich, but actually just genuinely saying this is something that you do really, really well, giving specific examples. I saw you do this. That was amazing. I loved Julie's addition, which was the 
I think you're so good at this. I'd like you to now do a, a teaching session for the rest of the team. I want you to show them how you do that. So I think that was brilliant. The not so positive, again, be really clear on what success looks like. Give good examples. Don't just say I want it to be better. It's not good enough to say I want you to be better. How, when, why? Julie's got that framework of of pay rises and what it takes to get a pay rise. My recommendation was keep pay rises as a separate discussion. It can still be part of the performance review process, but not in the same meeting. And certainly if we're not doing, if we're doing uh, performance reviews every month, you don't want to tie every single one of them to a pay rise. <laughs> I just want to go out of business real quick. <laughs> you get a puppy. You get a puppy. <laughs> and if look you want to give out puppies as performance review pay rises go for your life. i have a pay um, rise for you but you know what's in that box <laughs> exactly exactly opportunities to coach so not so much telling someone how to improve but are getting them to come to the table where do you see improvement how can you improve how can i support you we talked about agendas and creating psychological safety we talked about the ongoing support. What does support look like? We talked about setting up the space. What else have I missed? Have I missed anything? And, yeah, just the have a be mindful about the regularity of, of them and yeah, everything's difficult before it's easy. You know, it's the practice and the familiarity that we get around it that can certainly help us. If you haven't done performance reviews in the past or if you've done them badly in the past, do a whole bunch of research. Just jump on YouTube and and you, the more information you've got around it, the more comfortable you are entering into them. Mm. And obviously, Julie and I have a lot to say about it. So if you would like to reach out to us, on the comments, on the YouTubes, on the email, on the web. All of our contact information is in the show notes or are in the show notes, whatever English you prefer. <laughs> so do reach out to us. We love to support business owners and dental practices to mm. do things better. Yeah. And while you're contributing to us any comments that you might have, give us a five-star review, share the podcast or the YouTube version of it with your friends. If you think they're going to enjoy it, that'd be super. Throw it out there on social media as an awesome podcast show. That'd be super duper. And we'll give you a puppy. <laughs> and we'll give you a performance review. In fact, if you'd like to give us a performance review, <laughs> please send us give a gen- <laughs> send us an agenda ahead of schedule and yes we would like a puppy for our pay rise thank you very much <laughs> well thank you shannon i look forward to speaking to you again real soon and as i do you as i do you hmm. yeah. yep Good. <laughs> always a pleasure lovely to If you enjoyed today's podcast, then you should come along and join the club. The club is a whole library of lunch and learns with new lunch and learns being produced all the time that help your dental team gain greater success in your systems, in your team behaviors, in your patient management, in your patient engagement, in their treatment plans. They are usually around half an hour in length. And so team members can sit down, be paid for their lunch break, eat lunch while they're being inspired and delivered all of these insights and strategies that can be implemented so you all achieve greater levels of success. 
Also, Amina and I, my buddy from dental management expertise, have a company, Dental Business Mastery, together. And our flagship online one-year course for dental practice managers and dental practice owners to learn how to very successfully manage your dental practice is available. Head over to dentalbusinessmastery.com.au to find out more information and has information about any other courses that we've got available. Also, make sure you do jump onto my website, julieparkerpracticesuccess.com.au, and you will see a whole load of free information. There are articles, the blog, downloads, templates, a whole load of things that are designed to help you overcome any specific challenge that you've got going on in your practice at the moment. If you have any suggestions of topics or guests that I can have on the podcast, please let me know. Thanks for listening.